Turning into Jumpy Ellie's basketball show Hosted by a guy called Jumpy Ellie Tuning into Jumpy Ellie's basketball show At JumpyEllie.com This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. As always, a handful of stuff we're going to get into today in a world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. You had the NBA draft, which, you know, if you think about it, kind of a little disappointing, but disappointing for so many reasons. Not like there was a whole lot to be excited about coming in. I'll touch on that. We're going to talk a little LeVar Ball whether I still look at him as one of the worst human beings in the history of mankind. We're going to talk about top five quarterbacks in the National Football League right now. And I want to get your opinion as well. But the first thing we're going to discuss today is the Baseball Hall of Fame. And you can hear all these stat gurus that think that this is the time that you make the case for the Andrew Joneses and the Scott Rollins to get into baseball's Hall of Fame. The problem is right now, you don't have a Hall of Fame unless you put in the best players, the players that are the most deserving of being in a Hall of Fame. But most importantly, the players that exemplify what greatness is when you talk about baseball, how you compare it to other sports. It's a friggin' joke in baseball. You got basketball, you got football, you got hockey. You understand what's good about basketball. Players that score the most points, players that average the most points per game, the players that rebound, get assist, the players that play the game at the highest level are honored by being put into that sports hall of fame. Not in baseball. Baseball is the only sport where you have the player that's hit the most home runs, the player that has the most hits, the players with a third and fourth highest batting average cumulatively in the history of the sport, the player with the most Cy Youngs, the player with the most MVPs, the four players who have hit the most home runs in a single season, a player that has over 4,000 hits. There's only two of them. One of them isn't in the Hall of Fame. It's a joke. Yeah, we're going to sit here and we're going to talk about Scott Rowland. He was a good player. And maybe if baseball worked out all of its inequities of what makes its Hall of Fame such a joke when it comes to the rest of sports, then maybe there's room in the Hall of Fame for Scott Rowland and Andrew Jones. And there's probably room for a lot of other players. But the priority should be to honor the best players that have accomplished the most. That's what a Hall of Fame is. It's not a matter of who is the most popular. It's not a matter of who looks like a goody two-shoes. It's not a matter of who looks like, oh, wow, that is a really nice guy. You think the Pro Football Hall of Fame cares about nice guys? You think Lawrence Taylor's a nice guy? You think Charles Haley is a nice guy? But baseball, all you care about, well, is this this the most likable person? Is this the person that you want to introduce to your wife and your children? It's a joke. Barry Bonds is one of the best offensive position players to ever play baseball. 
And when a book comes out, you'll hear me talk about how Barry Bonds was one of the best ever. Top five. And you have a Hall of Fame that doesn't include him. You're, maybe you're pissed off at Roger Clemens. Maybe you're a Mets fan. You don't like that he hit Mike Piazza in the head. You don't like that he threw the bat at Mike Piazza. Mike Piazza admitted that he used some form of performance-enhancing drugs. We can talk about Andro, and you know how much of a Mike Piazza fan I am. But it didn't keep him from getting into baseball's Hall of Fame. Yvonne Rodriguez was called out in Jose Canseco's book just like a ton of other players and a ton of other players that are being blackballed at this moment for inclusion in baseball's Hall of Fame. Yvonne Rodriguez gets a pass. And what about the other players that played in the 90s and the 2000s? Frank Thomas, Jim Tomey. And I'm not here to dig up enough evidence to implicate either player. But you could talk about the same circumstantial evidence about the time they played, the size and the mass of their bodies, and the way that they dominated a sport that wasn't dominated until they played. Before Frank Thomas and Jim Tomey came into Major League Baseball, players weren't cranking out 500 and 600 home runs like it was nothing. And I'm not going to make this about Tomey and about Frank Thomas. But you talk about others like Pedro Martinez and Greg Maddox. Were, were they so good that they could get hitters out that were using steroids? Or were they getting help too? And the problem is not who you're going to call out today. And that's not what I'm ever going to make this show about. It's not about me making baseless claims that players that played in the 90s and 2000s used performance-enhancing drugs. It's actually the exact opposite. Major League Baseball was so negligent, led by the commissioner, in doing anything about the use of performance-enhancing drugs, which were running rampant throughout the sport. They were happening in the 90s when Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were hugging each other while they're going on that wild home run chase of 1998. They were talking about how it saved baseball. Baseball in its strike alienated so many fans. Fans didn't want to watch baseball anymore. But all of a sudden, they tuned in to watch this historic home run chase. The commissioner is in the front row, freaking cheering louder than anybody. And then you're going to say, oh, wow, you know what? I didn't know until afterwards that they were using steroids. And then all of a sudden, you take the tone of turning your back on those players that saved the sport. If it wasn't for the home run chase of 1998, baseball may still be struggling. And baseball may be at this moment in the year of 2020, where so many things have gone wrong, is not in the greatest state right now. But it could be in a lot worse state if it wasn't for that home run chase, if it wasn't for what the players that were using steroids did for the sport. And like I said, to some people, Barry Bonds doesn't come across as the most likable dude. And Barry Bonds had to, had to live with a lot of things that most average people that are judging Barry Bonds didn't. You know, most of you didn't have a father that played Major League Baseball and had to deal with some intense racism. 
and some favoritism that went on. Bobby Bonds was a very good player, a player that probably allowed his own personal anger and frustration to get the best of him. And, you know, you talk about the Terry Cashman song, talking baseball, talking about Bobby Bonds can play for everyone. That was kind of Bobby Bonds towards the end of his career, playing for all these different teams. And you think of Ken Griffey Jr. and his father, the way that he felt like he was treated by the Yankees and Ken saying, you know, you know, Junior saying, I'm not playing for the Yankees. I don't care if they give me the most money in the world. I'm not, or, you know, the highest contract in the history of baseball. I'm not going to play for the Yankees. But it was a lot of things that went on to impact the mind of a young Barry Bonds, the frustration from his father, and probably some things that led to his father living a short life. And this isn't to throw a pity party for Barry Bonds. But the guy was talented. And even those that are the naysayers that say that, that, you know, hate Barry Bonds more than anything, acknowledge that he was a pretty damn good player with the Pirates. Earned the contract that he got with the San Francisco Giants. Earned the majority of those early MVPs in the early to mid-90s. And that he's influenced by the chase, by the home run chase, which, by the way, Bud Selig, you know, this uh, so-called self-proclaimed man on a mission to stop steroids and the use of performance-enhancing drugs in Major League Baseball, is standing in a front row cheering him on. Barry Bond says, it's okay for Mark McGuire. It's okay for Sammy Sosa. Once again, there's no sanctions against those players at that moment. And remember, they were never penalized by Major League Baseball. They were penalized by the Court of Public Opinion. They've been penalized by the Hall of Fame. But they faced no penalties whatsoever while they played the game. Barry Bonds decides to use whatever it is that he used. And he say, hey, it helped his eyesight. You said it helped maybe his power. His ability to see a ball that's coming one iota off the plate and not swing at it. All these things might be true. But you don't think baseball had anything to do with the rampant use of PEDs in the sport? Now, you look at right now. And you can make a case, and, you know, it's, it's part of the news, was brought up yesterday. Excuse me. MLB suspending Robinson Cano for the 2021 season and beyond, at least 162 games in regards to the suspension. is second positive test when it comes to the use of PEDs. You look at it differently right now because baseball has a plan in place, a, play, a plan that's agreed to. By the players, the Players Association, the owners, and Major League Baseball. They've collectively bargained a set of rules and guidelines when it comes to the use of PEDs. You know, greenies aren't in the sport. They are banned, but they could be used with a doctor's prescription. So if you have, you know, ADHD, you know, you may be able to have a little bit more of an advantage than, than some of the other players you may be able to go on a streak pretty similar to the consecutive game streak that Cowherkin Jr. went because you're going to play a day game after a night game. You're going to be more energized. You're going to be able 
to be at 100% every single second that you're on that baseball field. But you talk about steroids and listen, baseball has come a long way and it's hard for a player to use. Ask Robinson Cano. I'm sure the last thing that he wanted to do was get picked up a second time. He got snagged when he was with Seattle, obviously under a lot of pressure with the Mets, a questionable trade made by Brody Van Wagenen, a lot of pressure on Robinson Cano after a down season in 2019 to go out there and bring his game to the next level, to earn the contract that, by the way, the fans are out there bitching and complaining about. Fans are all down on Robinson Cano because he's making a lot of money. Robinson Cano had nothing to do with what he was traded for or who he was traded to. And fans can say, you know, they can rejoice. They can claim that it's a, a great day that he got busted for PEDs. But if you're Robinson Cano, what else do you do? Contracts in baseball are set to compensate the players for what they did before. And Robinson Cano's had a great career. The fact that he's busted for a second time in the year of 2020 when baseball has done a very good job of trying to outlaw the use of PEDs in the sport is going to make it very tough for him to win a sentimental favoritism in regards to baseball's Hall of Fame. But I don't know what Robinson Cano could have done. He goes out there and he naturally ages, which he has. He's obviously not the same as he was in, you know, 2006 or 2009. So I actually feel for Robinson Cano. And it's going to make me more of a fan. And you know, my opinion a lot when it comes to how I feel about things is usually the opposite of what the court of public opinion says. I hope the Mets win a World Series championship this year and beyond. Uh, but I hope Robinson Cano gets to be part of it. Obviously won't be in 2021. It probably won't be in the postseason of 2022 if the season carries over. Maybe he gets an injunction if the game, if the season is shortened and maybe gets some sort of allowance to play in the postseason of 2022. I'm hoping for it. But here's a guy between a rock and a hard place. He's making a ton of money. He was traded to a team in a city where there's going to be a lot of opposition against him. Who wants a $24 million second baseman that is a shell of what he was 10 years ago? And he goes out there and he juices. Obviously, he, he messes up something because I'm convinced in the year of 2020 that there's still players that are using that are getting away with it. But they're taking that risk. They're putting everything they accomplished at risk that at some point they may be flagged and everything that they have done and accomplished on a Major League Baseball diamond is going to be called into question. And Robinson Cano made a, a bad mistake a couple of years ago. What he did now was something that he just could not allow to happen. But it was a risk maybe he felt like he had to take. And the Mets, for a short period of last season, on a year where a lot of players underperformed, got a huge boost out of Robinson Cano last year. Now, time's going to have to go by. We're going to have to talk about a lot of time. 
We're going to have to talk about Robinson Cano's career ending. We're going to have to talk about the five years going by where he's eligible for the Baseball Hall of Fame. And we're likely going to have to go through a period where Robinson Cano doesn't get 5% of the baseball writers' votes. So you're talking about the Veterans Committee and probably years upon years down the road to look at Robinson Cano and say, hey, the guy hit 300 in his career. He might finish his career with 2,800, 2,900 hits. Maybe he does get to 3,000. I don't know. Depends on what he's got left when he comes back in 2022. But he's probably a Veterans Committee consideration about 20, 30 years from now. And we're talking about the year of 2020. We're talking about 2050. And hopefully Robbie's still around to enjoy it if he gets elected into Baseball's Hall of Fame. But a lot of things have to happen. And it'll start with exactly what I started this panegyric by talking about. Baseball's Hall of Fame getting it right. And it's time to put the best of the best in Baseball's Hall of Fame. Not just Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, but Pete Rose and Joe Jackson and Manny Ramirez and Rafael Palmero and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. You start to put the players that had huge accomplishments into Baseball's Hall of Fame where they belong, maybe not as people, Maybe they're not Hall of Fame people. Maybe you put an asterisk, maybe put on a plaque that the player either had suspicion or likely used performance-enhancing drugs. You put on Pete Rose plaque that he was banned from baseball for life for gambling. Shoeless Joe Jackson, you put, was part of the 1919 Black Sox. So if you're a young kid being brought to the Cooperstown Hall of Fame Museum in New York with your father... You share stories about, hey, he's in the Hall of Fame, but Manny Ramirez got popped twice for using performance-enhancing drugs. But he was one of the greatest right-hand hitters in the history of Major League Baseball. And you have a Hall of Fame, once again, which is going to continue to get watered down. And I'm not here to knock the credibility of Andrew Jones. I'm not here to knock the credibility of Scott Rowland. They both had outstanding careers. They were both very good all-around players. Obviously, Andrew Jones was one of the best defensive center fielders the game has ever seen. Now, you want to ask yourself this question. He went out there and popped 50 home runs one year. Is there any suspicion for the use of performance-enhancing drugs? Because I'm not looking for Andrew Jones to get into the Hall of Fame through the back door when he used to. Be pretty hypocritical to put Andrew Jones, maybe, possibly, a steroids user in baseball's Hall of Fame when Barry Bonds is on the outside looking in. And the other thing that I brought up the other day is if you're a Hall of Famer, you don't need to put a ton of stats to convince the average fan that you're a Hall of Famer. And I think Andrew Jones and I think Scott Rowland are borderline enough that I think you could say that they get in without having to throw their stats in the average baseball fan's face. The problem is not Scott Rowland and it's not Andrew Jones. The problem is Major League Baseball, its writers, and its veterans committee to have neglected an entire era of baseball, which has made 
things that we haven't seen in baseball history. The all-time home run leader is still Barry Bonds, whether you like him or not. Hank Aaron's number two. Hank Aaron hit 755 home runs. It was great. One of the greatest players baseball has ever seen. But he didn't hit the most home runs in baseball history. Barry Bonds did. Ty Cobb, the first player to ever get over 4,000 hits. 4,190 hits. One of the greatest feats baseball has ever seen. A record that was thought to be unobtainable or unbreakable. Pete Rose broke the record. He has, 50, he has 4,256 hits. More than anybody in Major League Baseball history. He's played more games than anybody in Major League Baseball history. He's had more at-bats, more plate appearances, more singles than anybody in baseball history. And if you talk to Pete, the record that he has, that he enjoys the most, he has been the part of more winning games than any player in Major League Baseball history. And because he bet on baseball, all of a sudden it means that none of that counted. And that's an even bigger joke than the steroids thing, if you think about it. Steroids, baseball has made a change. Steroids, you could talk about how a player could have compromised their numbers, accomplishments, and performances. And for those that are anti-steroids, for those that... We'll never want to see Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens or Mark McGuire or Sammy Sosa or Rafael Palmeiro or Manny Ramirez or anybody else that's been under the suspicion or has been implicated for the use of performance-enhancing drugs in baseball ever get into baseball's Hall of Fame. I respect the view, the point of view of the compromised stats. If you didn't use the steroids, do you put up the numbers? Are we talking about the all-time home run champion, both single season and ever? Are we talking about Rafael Palmeiro being one of six players to have both 500 home runs and 3,000 hits? Do they happen without steroids? That's a part of the argument that I respect. Do I agree with it? Do I think they should be held out of Baseball Hall of Fame for that? No. But for the life of me, I can't get what betting on baseball as a manager does to discredit the 4,256 hits that Pete Rose got over the course of his Major League Baseball career. One has nothing to do with the other. Maybe Pete Rose wasn't a good guy. Whoopty friggin' do. Name one player that had more than 4,256 4, hits in the history of Major League Baseball. The answer is nobody. And he didn't get 4,256 hits because he bet on baseball. He didn't place a good bet and get a couple more hits. But once again, Baseball Hall of Fame tries to hold itself higher than the Supreme Court of the United States. You did something bad later on in your life, later on in your baseball career, 
and you get penalized for what you did before. O.J. Simpson did some bad things after he was done playing in the National Football League. Nobody came back and said that he doesn't belong in the NFL Hall of Fame. You know, the Pro Football Hall of Fame didn't take O.J. Simpson out. But if he played Major League Baseball, they might. The problem is the Baseball Hall of Fame has to honor or should honor the players that have accomplished more than anything. The player with the most hits, the player with the most home runs, the players with the third and fourth highest batting average in baseball history, the players with the top four single season home run totals ever, the player with the most Cy Youngs, the player with the most MVPs. You need to put all six of the players that have both 500 home runs and 3,000 hits in. No other sport has any other problem with the numbers. And we're talking about the Hall of Fame, including nice guys. If Lawrence Taylor and Charles Haley played Major League Baseball, they would be held out of the Hall of Fame because they're not nice guys. His copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication or reproduction of the use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the Passball Show, JohnPielli.com and JohnPielli LLC is prohibited. Any commercial or use of programs such as by charging, admission for its showing is similarly prohibited. So the NBA draft was probably as disappointing as it was expected to be. And think about it, no NCAA tournament, very little buildup for a lot of the players that were taken in this draft. I mean, for crying out loud, you got LaMelo Ball, who didn't even go to college. He's the first player ever drafted by saying, hey, he comes out of the United States of America. Just like a player that's drafted that comes out of France. Just like a player that comes out of Russia or Serbia or Brazil. LaMelo Ball comes out of the United States. He didn't come directly out of high school. He didn't come directly out of college. He was a United States basketball player that was taken third overall. And we'll find out in the NBA how good of a player he is. He looks like he might be a little better than his brother Alonzo. But you wonder if the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are selecting number one overall, decided to take Anthony Edwards out of Georgia because they thought Edwards was more talented or the better player. Or the fact that they didn't want to deal with the distraction that is LaMelo Ball's father. Now, I'll give LeVar a little bit of credit. Because over the last couple of years, maybe it's because of advice. Maybe there's people in his inner circle that have given him suggestions. He has shut his mouth. You haven't heard him talk about anything. You're talking about a guy that didn't make it any further than the practice squad. Excuse me, for the Carolina Panthers in the National Football League. He never played a pro sport, but basically tried to piggyback off of the talent of his son to brand himself to try to become somebody. And that still bothers me. You look at Gary Sheffield Jr., who the only thing, the only race that he ever won in his life was beating out the rest of the sperm to fertilize the egg to be Gary Sheffield's child. 
Gary Sheffield, by the way, belongs in baseball's Hall of Fame. His son is trying to make a life for himself just because he was Gary Sheffield's son. So if you're talking about those that try to live vociferously through somebody else, Gary Sheffield has probably overtaken LeVar, LeVar Ball. And I'm talking about junior, obviously, and senior. Gary Sheffield, over 500 home runs, belongs in baseball's Hall of Fame, one of the more dominating right-handed batters that I've ever seen. His son was a sperm for his father. That's all he's ever accomplished. The only race he's ever won was the ability to fertilize that egg nine months before Gary Sheffield Jr. was born. But LeVar Ball's done a good job of shutting his mouth because nobody wants to hear about LeVar Ball. Maybe LeVar's thought about the impact that he had on his son Lonzo. Maybe he was the reason that LeBron James, the general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers, traded him. Yeah, I'm sure it was the reason why Lonzo Ball faced some rough treatment from some opponents in the National Basketball Association. Now, listen, we'll find out how good LaMelo is. He goes to Charlotte, which ironically is owned by Michael Jordan. LeVar goes out there and says, hey, I could beat Michael Jordan in one-on-one, one -on -one, which, by the way, no average person can go out there and say that and have anybody give a darn about it. If I go out there and if I'm delusional enough to believe that I could beat Michael Jordan in a one-on-one -on -one game, even if I said it, nobody would care. Most people would just shoo it away. And anybody that would think of the nerve that I would have to say that would dismiss me because I'm nobody. LeVar Ball is no different than John Pielli. LeVar Ball didn't play professional sports. Neither did I. But he wants or wanted what he had to say to be heard and understood in the general public because he's got athletic sons. He's got sons that are going to play in the National Basketball Association. And at least two, maybe three, will all be in the NBA. LeVar Ball is the example of a proud parent, but is also an example of that parent that wants to live his life vociferously through his children. And hopefully he is a message to a lot of fathers and mothers that are out there. Now, you're a father of a kid that's playing, you know, uh, AAU baseball. You're, you're, you're following your daughter as she's playing soccer in high school. And you're excited. You're enjoying it. You're going to all the games. You're showing that you'll love the kid more than you'll love yourself. That's great. There's nothing wrong with using that form of parenting. But are you drawing attention to yourself because of it? Because the kid should be the one getting all the attention. And hopefully LeVar Ball, who's a guy who basically tried to brand himself just because he had a couple kids, like nobody else in the history of the world ever had children, should be the example of how you don't act if you're lucky enough to have a child that excels in athletics. <clears throat> but I do wonder, 
is the difference between LaMelo Ball going number one to the Minnesota Timberwolves and number three to the Charlotte Hornets? Is it a matter of who his father was? If his father shut his mouth when Lonzo was coming up and drafted number two overall by the Los Angeles Lakers, does LaMelo get a chance to go number one to the Minnesota Timberwolves? I think it's interesting to think about. So thinking about you got a you got a big game today, and I, I'm like I said, I don't like to be so t- time centric when it comes to the show, but we are doing shows more often. We're doing a couple times a week as opposed to once a week, so I could afford to be a little less time sensitive. You got the Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals on a Thursday night game, and you look at what's happened in Arizona. Cliff Kingsbury has come there. They decided that they wanted to move away from their coach and their quarterback after one year. Steve Wilkes fired. Josh Rosen taken number 10th overall. Gone. Insert Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray. And you have all of a sudden Arizona Cardinals team that is competing at a very high level in the best division in the National Football League. Going up against a a player that you would think at the beginning of the year was the best quarterback in the National Football League, and that's Russell Wilson. Russell doesn't make mistakes. His team was playing at a high level. All of a sudden, the last three games, the wheels have kind of come off. And you wonder, maybe Russell's trying to play through something. Everybody's taking hits. You know, it's been a long offseason season. Without any sort of off-season programming, conditioning, workouts, you know, any sort of off-season. No preseason games. Players are very vulnerable. And you're seeing injuries go up in the National Football League. You wonder if Russell maybe is just trying to play through something. But you look at who are the best quarterbacks in the National Football League now. And I think what is exciting about this is to talk about how the guard has kind of moved and the baton has kind of been passed Aaron Rodgers is probably the closest quarterback that has played 10 years or more in the National Football League to being in the top five right now Tom Brady could still lead Tampa Bay to the promised land is having a good year but not a great year is not in the top five Drew Brees I know he's hurt right now. When he's at his best, he looks great. Pretty similar to Brady. He's not in the top five right now. So you wonder where Aaron Rodgers fits in because Aaron's having one of his best seasons. You think of some of the younger quarterbacks that have kind of taken the mantle or have taken the baton and kind of brought it up to the next generation. It's hard to say that there's a quarterback that is better all around than Patrick Mahomes right now. But let me ask you this. Out of anybody else, including Aaron Rodgers, is there any quarterback more exciting, not named Patrick Mahomes, than Kyler Murray right now? I mean, obviously, that the Hail Mary that he threw, the touchdown to beat the Buffalo Bills, that's... Uh, you know, one of those rare things that happen. You don't see it too often. If you happen to be watching a football game when it happened, you're like, wow, 
That was an incredible moment. That was fun to watch. I'm glad I got to see that with my mom. But he, he has jumped up and is probably within the discussion of being one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the National Football League right now. And you want to say Rodgers maybe is three. Russell Wilson's right on his heels is like a 3A or 4. And then you're talking about the fifth quarterback if you're doing the top five right now. And it's a debate between last year's MVP, Lamar Jackson, and an up-and-coming star in Josh Allen. Josh Allen has taken huge strides. A quarterback that was considered to not have any accuracy is all of a sudden hitting on his passes, is making less mistakes. Yes, he's got that Brett Favre-ness in him where he feels like he can squeeze a square peg in a round hole. Says, oh, you know what? I can throw a ball hard enough to get it in my receiver's hands, and that's where interceptions come. But Josh Allen is probably the most improved player, most improved quarterback in the National Football League this year. And think about Lamar Jackson for a second. Teams are planning better this year to defend Lamar Jackson, not only running, but his ability to throw the ball. They're game planning against Lamar Jackson, seeing if they could stop Lamar Jackson. If they could do that, they have a good chance of winning the game. So you're talking about what would be Obviously not a sophomore season, but a sophomore-like slump because opponents are preparing for you better. Now the adjustment is on Lamar Jackson. How does he adjust to those that are adjusting to him? But you're watching Lamar Jackson, who looked like, you know, probably the second-best quarterback in the National Football League last year. There's Mahomes, there's Jackson, there was Russell Wilson. That was probably my top three last year. It's a different list. Is Aaron Rodgers had some ups and downs last year. Has been very good for the most part this year. Kyler Murray has become a star. And how good do the Arizona Cardinals look? Now it sucks for Steve Wilkes. It sucks for Josh Rosen. Thought to be the coach and the quarterback of the future of the Arizona Cardinals, both gone after one year. That doesn't happen. And that needs to be spoken about more because that's an occurrence that you very rarely see in any sport. The equivalent of the two most important positions in a, in a football organization that are on the sideline. It's the coach and the quarterback. And you go invest in one of both of them and get rid of them after one year. But the Cardinals obviously made the right decision. A little bit of a recap of the show today. We talked about the Baseball Hall of Fame. And, you know, listen, I'm never going to give enough respect to the Baseball Hall of Fame until they get this right. And it's nothing against um, Tim Mead. It's nothing against Jeff Idelson. It's nothing against the Cooperstown Museum in New York. They all do great work. They have nothing to do with who's in and who isn't when it comes to Baseball's Hall of Fame. I thought they did a great thing by electing Marvin Miller in last year. And I was happy to be there when the announcement was announced on MLB Network. 
But baseball's got to do a lot better job to get this thing right. You have the all-time home runs leader, the all-time hits leader. The players with the third and fourth highest batting average in baseball history. The player with the most Cy Youngs. One of four pitchers to have 4,000 strikeouts. Player with the most MVPs. The players with the four highest single season home run totals. The position player who played in the most winning games. The player with the most singles. I could go on all day. You got right now, likely two of the six players in baseball history to ever get 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. One of them's being held out in Rafael Palmaro. The other one's likely to have to wait a little bit, at least, in Alex Rodriguez. And it's got to come a time that they get this right. Because we can't sit here and have these lazy discussions about what borderline players we're going to compare to other borderline players in baseball's Hall of Fame. Who cares if Scott Rowland was close to Barry Larkin? In regards to their accomplishments. Who cares? Barry Bonds isn't in the Hall of Fame. So why the hell should anybody else be? It's an embarrassment. The NBA draft, we talk about the disappointment, but we kind of knew that coming in. It's hard to build up the NBA draft when you didn't have an NCAA tournament. That's where a lot of these players, you get to see, they get to be judged a little more. And it's not to the fault of the players. But the top three in the draft look like they may all be good players. But you got James Wiseman, who didn't play this year in Memphis. You got LaMelo Ball, who didn't play in college at all, was playing in Lithuania. When he's drafted, it actually says LaMelo Ball from the United States, something the, no other NBA draft had ever seen in its history. And then he got Anthony Edwards, who isn't even sure he wants to be a basketball player. And listen, maybe that's a, a bad interview or a, a bad answer to a bad question at a bad time. But it's hard to sell if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves on your franchise player when you got audio of him saying that he's not sure if he wants to play basketball. Top five quarterbacks in the National Football League. Give me your opinion. I go Mahomes, Murray, Rodgers, Wilson, Lamar Jackson with Josh Allen right on the outside looking in. What do you think? This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We'll be back with you probably next Monday-ish, it looks like, to talk about everything going on in the world of baseball sports and unifying America. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side.